Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. When it comes to the customer, we definitely want to explore the CX or the customer journey and, and make sure that that is um, still working for our existing customers and not just our new customers. It's the existing ones that have been here. Um, they're kind of like your change supporters. You know, they're the ones that are advocating for you and to proactively service them and to offer you know, just a day to, or half a day at least to go spend time with them and see how they're using your product and not just have it be between the CEO and the CEO, but actually have somebody in the front line that's using the product or the service and watch and see how many times it clicks, you know, how many times do they have to click before they can get to whatever your solution is. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with business operations architect Sidel Stewart and with author, speaker and founder of Smart Hustle Media, Ramon Ray, then do go listen into them. They're well worth listening to, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast today as my guest, Catherine Canty. She's a tenacious connector and a recovering banker, as she describes herself. She's a leadership coach helping high-potential managers turn into senior leaders. Her sales program for business-to-business selling is creating exceptional results. 18 months ago, Catherine retired from corporate banking. She was traveling 60% of the time, spending time with the C-suite and helping others grow their business. She decided that had to change. She took some calculated risks that led to her transition from corporate to self-employment. Today, she provides leadership coaching, training around messaging and use of LinkedIn and strategic planning. In our conversation today, Catherine talked to me about using reflection to know when you're ready for change. We talked about creating small wins that form the foundation of sustainable change and how to add value to others by teaching them to breathe. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Catherine Canty. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from Columbia, South Carolina, in the USA, Catherine Canty, who's a leadership coach helping high potential managers turn into senior leaders. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Catherine. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is fun, how the internet connects us across the pond. So thank you. That's right. Yes, it's uh, amazing, isn't it, that we can do this in this day and age. And it's particularly important, I guess, in, in times when travel is restricted because of the pandemic. Yes, it has opened up a lot of new opportunities for us. That's right. Now, before we start talking about all things leadership, what, what is it that drives you to do what you do? You know, I've been studying a lot of this, and, and I've learned that um, sometimes reflection is, is the best way to kind of figure out where I've been and where I'm going. And um, this past week, I stumbled across a word of uh, just transformation. And um, I think the curiosity has led me throughout my career. But really what I'm going back for um, time and time again, no matter what the project is, it's I'm looking for a transformation. I'm looking to help other people find their transformation. And um, that that seems to be what, what my uh, latest lessons are as I reflect on, on my past and where my future's going. Mm, yeah, I, I love the word transformation. I mean, we use it in our, in our promotion. We talk about transformational marketing. So it's really all, all about change, isn't it? So um, talking about change, what, what is it that, um, I mean, a lot of people find change very challenging. What is it that um, prevents people from making changes that might lead to that transformation? I think, first of all, we need to realize, um, are, we, are we really ready? Do we feel like we're ready for the change? And if we're not ready for the change, there's a lot of people not. And we need to be okay and just celebrate the fact that they're here and maybe they just aren't ready for it. So first step is uh, just acknowledge that you are are not ready for creating the change. And then once they do decide, you know, I think a lot of folks and myself included get overwhelmed on what the big end goal is and how are we going to break it down and accomplish that. And so it tends to be overwhelming. And I think habit kicks in at that point. And we just go back to what we've always done and the change tends to linger and, and becomes a, I could have when I was younger and never happens um, for the, for the individual looking for that change. Hmm. I, um, I'm a big fan of James Clear's work and he talks about atomic habits and small hmm. habits uh, driving changes. And he talks about focusing on the process. One of the things I find um, when I find that big change or big task and and feel a sense of overwhelm is uh, just looking at the first step. And I think it's it's in his book, Atomic Habits, he talks about um, if you do the first step, you've already won. You've already, yeah. You can already celebrate the success and, and then focus on the process. And I, I apply this now to my bike riding, which I normally go out for a bike ride every morning. And now we're in this transition phase going from summertime to wintertime. And it's been a very sudden transition this year. So there's been some very cold mornings and often I feel just roll over, you know, I don't want to go out for a bike ride. So going for a bike ride is the goal. But when I say, just get up out of bed and put your bike clothes on and that's a win, and then, you know, once I get to that stage, I say, just take the bike out of the garage and that's a win. And if I do that, I usually end up doing a ride. There's so much truth to that. And that's such a great book. I love Atomic Habits. And um, 
Yeah, once we we just take the first step, get out of bed and uh, and maybe put on the walking shoes if you don't feel like going for a bike ride, but just put something on and um, and step outside and put an extra layer on. And, you know, a lot of people reward themselves with um, with good books or podcasts that they can listen to on their exercise. And they save that for their exercise time and um, is creating rewards within these opportunities of change that I think can help kind of kick us off in the right direction and um, create momentum and celebrate the small wins along the way. And uh, once you get in that winning pattern, it's so hard to stop. Um, everybody wants to cheer you on and keep you going. And um, people get excited when others are winning and they want to be a part of it. So yeah, just get out of bed and put one foot in front of the other. That's a start for sure. Hmm. Okay. Now, um, one of the things you talk about is um, building visibility being vital for growth. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about that and how that works in the context of leadership and particularly for businesses that uh, want to be leaders in their space. Yeah, so it, it, everything starts with yourself first, just like what we did with um, going for a bike ride or exercising or getting out of the bed. Um, everything starts with, with you and me individually. And um, if you want to create that change and that presence and that influence, you need to first acknowledge you're going to be doing that. And then from there, we want to be able to engage those around us. And this works in your personal life as well as your professional life. And you want to en enroll your stakeholders in strategic conversations. And when people hear strategic, they sometimes think that, oh, this is going to be a long, tedious conversation. And really, a strategic conversation could just be dropping a few hints that um, are going to open up the door for the next conversation that we're looking for. And um, being able to collaborate across you know, the table, across the organization, breaking through a lot of these silos and, um, and traditions and being able to bring stakeholders over and um, ask them for what their feed forward is, meaning, you know, what are one or two things I can do better going forward? And then just stopping and, and listening to what they have to say and not arguing with them and simply saying thank you is, is a great way to get the conversation started. You know, we don't want to commit to anything. We don't want to argue, like I said earlier, but we just want to take this information and process it and figure out where this is going to take us to the next step. And I think a lot of times we're, we're thinking we got to get to the finish line in the first conversation. And really, we just need to um, listen to where the other person's coming from and assess it and see if it's even something that we can work with. But enrolling stakeholders and bringing stakeholders to the table is is huge. Mm. Yeah, that's um that's really golden advice. I um, I was thinking there as you were outlining that process, it, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, isn't it? It's like instead yeah. of saying, I want to bring this person on board to help me achieve this goal, it's how can I start to build a relationship and a dialogue with this person so that I can engage their help. So one step in front of the other. Yeah. Okay, and uh, the other thing I know you talk about is um, professional authority, building professional authority. So what what steps do you recommend for somebody that, that's wanting to build their professional authority, let's say an individual within an organization, but also um, businesses as, as teams? Yeah, so um, creating that professional authority or maybe the influence within an organization, 
I like to think that there's three different types of folks that are out there. We have the folks that are like you and me. We're getting out of bed and we're exercising in the morning or trying to at least. And we're okay with the change. Um, you know, there might be some change we're not crazy about, but you know, overall we're okay with it. We're here talking about it at least. So we've got, you know, about 20% of the folks that, that are okay with the change. And then we also have another 20% who are never going to get out of bed and never going to want to, to help. And they just are going to resist. But yet there's this, this difference of this that's in the middle. And these are the skeptics and the skeptics are going to be in your community. They're going to be um, in various organizations. They'll even be in the prospects that you're calling on. Um, you're going to find the, the skeptics. And if we can focus our time and energy on the skeptics, not the people who are always going to be the naysayers, and maybe not so much on, on the folks that are just like us, because that's real comfortable and the naysayers kind of suck the life out of us. But let's focus on the folks in the middle, the biggest group. And let's see how can we help create a win for a skeptic and bring them over to our side. And again, these are just small wins along the way, but if you're creating influence or you're looking to create more presence um, within an organization, you want to be able to bring over more of these skeptics to um, the work that you're doing to be able to build that rapport within the organization. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking there in terms of winning over those skeptics, the, mm -hmm. it comes back to the word transformation. If you can uh, help them transform even in in just some small way that's first of all it does build some professional authority um, in you as an individual and then also um, gives them something so you talk about leading with value and not with what you want so tell us a little bit more about how you go about yeah. that yeah so um I've talked about this a lot, and I think one of my favorite examples is when I was talking to a group of, of students who are about to graduate from the university, and um, I said, you know, when I know everybody's looking for a job, and, you know, you're ready to get out of, of college and out of your parents' house, and you just, you know, you want to have your own life and your own paycheck, and that's exciting, and what we need to do now at this phase of life is to reach out to people and continue to be authentic and lead with value. And find articles that could be of interest, find um, information or podcast books, whatever it may be. And instead of calling someone, you know, a friend or calling a connection or calling an interview um, and leading with, I want a job or I want a connection, lead with, you know, I saw this article, I read this book, it made me think of you. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to drop it off and grab a cup of coffee and just have a casual conversation. And it's a, a way to be able to kind of open up the conversation and it allows you to see, is this somebody that really you want to work with? Um, you know, before you put the hard press on them that says, I, you know, I want you to hire me, at least go warm, go see if the waters are warm and see if you even can yeah. tolerate them through a coffee and, and say, Hey, I found this book and I'd love to be able to drop it off and grab a cup of coffee with you. And uh, just leave with value. And it, it's it's simple and, and it's kind and people respond to it. And if people don't respond to it, then there's something else there. And again, that's just a resistor. And, and there's so many incredible opportunities out there today. We shouldn't waste our time on these resistors. I know it's human nature to want to want to transform the resistors. But there's so many other skeptics that are out there that that we could focus on and, and be able to help and and work towards that transformation. So. Don't feel bad if they don't call you back. The timing may not be right now, but it could be later. Yeah, and and you talk about the resistors. I mean, they're they're the ones that 
you're probably not going to be able to convince. I mean, it's kind of like it, it, the analogy for me is in politics, um, you know, they focus on the political parties. I mean, our, our Western democracies traditionally are kind of polarized into two major um, camps, right? And And each camp in their political campaigns, they don't focus on the people that are entrenched in the other camp and they also don't focus on the people that are entrenched in their own camp. They focus on what they call the swing voters, which is that middle ground, right? Yeah. Because they know, you know, they're never going to be able to influence the the opposite, the people entrenched in the opposite camp. They don't need to influence the people entrenched in their camp. It's it's the people in the middle that are going to decide whether the election goes one way or the other. So true. We see that all the time, don't we? Yeah. And it, I mean, one of the things, and this happens with business as well, one of the things that frustrates me because I'm in an electorate in both our state and national um, parliament where it's a safe seat for one of the parties. And as a result, and it has been for generations. And so as a result, we never really get much attention from the politicians because all the attention, all the money, all the investment goes into those seats that could go either way. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's from both parties of from both government. And I think in business you see that in and the telecommunications company, the internet service providers are masters at this. They always offer um special special deals or special privileges to new customers and they kind of ignore their loyal customers which to me is is a really bad move so what what are your thoughts on that i think there's a lot of truth to that and um yeah i'm thinking of all kinds of examples of how you know we focus on that that middle section the skeptic and you know we want to also continue to love those who came and, and supported us so when it comes to the customer, we definitely want to explore the CX or the customer journey and, and make sure that that is um, still working for our existing customers and not just our new customers. It's the existing ones that have been here. Um, they're kind of like your change supporters. You know, they're the ones that are advocating for you and to proactively service them and to offer, you know, just a day to or half a day at least to go spend time with them and see how they're using your product. And not just have it be between the CEO and the CEO, but actually have somebody in the front line that's using the product or the service and watch and see how many times it clicks. You know, how many times do they have to click before they can get to whatever your solution is? And so many times the solutions that, that we think we need to spend all the R&D on are as simple as sitting with someone who's using your service, a client who's paying you. Look at how they're using your service literally sit next to them in a chair and just see how it's working. How's the interface working? How's the experience? And see what the uh, the frustration level is or the gratitude level is. And um, it could cut down on a lot of R&D. And, and all that information is literally in front of you and people are paying you for that information. You know, they're, they're, they're paying you for the service and you can get the information from them. So um, taking care of that customer and going out and, and sitting with them and watching them use the service is like gold in um, in your existing client base. Yeah, now that that's worth the 
price of listening to this podcast just in there. <laughs> um, the the idea of listening to the customer is kind of common sense. A lot of people talk about it, but going to actually doing it on the ground and, and just, as you described it, um, sitting down with the customer, watching them use the product or, or even just using the product yourself. I know you talked yeah. about the number of clicks on software. That That's one thing that really frustrates me uh, being being on the computer a lot and I uh, I always and I kind of get angry <laughs> my wife sort of says oh you had another one of those software experiences she knows when I'm starting to talk to myself and get angry and say I've just put my name in how come I have to do it again or I've, I've how many times do I have to click to get through I want to buy something and I have to click and click and click and then click again it just hits us in the wrong way at the wrong yeah. time. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you've stayed up all night Googling who your competition is. And you're like, I'm exactly. moving everything tomorrow. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's so, yeah. right. That's It's that customer experience that people take for granted that um, it's easy and they don't check for themselves how their process works for the customer. And, and as you say, it is very dangerous if there's a bad experience there at that particularly at that point of buying or immediately after having bought, because that's where people will then say, no, I'm going to go and check out the competition. Yeah, yeah, definitely get frustrated easily that way. All right. Um, one of the things that um, you you also do in your spare time, I guess, um, <laughs> not that you have any, is is you help um, help build broadband systems or broadband infrastructure in um, in remote communities, in small communities. And I'm really curious as to what what prompted you to start that and, and how you apply your leadership lessons to um, to that that work. Yeah, thank you for asking about it. It's um it's exciting right now because we are at the um at the part where it's actually being rolled out. So we've made it through uh, the very beginning dream stages of, um, gosh, do I want to get out of bed? Do I want to put my tennis shoes on today? And um, it all started with some curiosity and um, went to a, a, a lunch just to learn about vertical assets. And vertical assets are like water tower and grain bins, things that go into the air. And when you're in a, a rural or a very spacious area without a lot of metro, um, density and population, you can actually sell real estate on these um, these towers. And the real estate is for telecommunications. And uh, the higher up you go, the better, you know, you can make more money off of that space because it shoots out farther for internet and broadband. So I learned about this and I knew in my own community, we struggled with having reliable broadband. And I, I just stayed after the lunch and spoke with the gentleman who presented and uh, said, well, what what can we do? And we stayed in touch for a few months, just back and forth, you know, casual conversations, grabbing a coffee, um, just trying to lead with value each other, you know, just trying to support each other and, and help each other. And um, curiosity, again, just allowed me to learn more about this whole transformation of Internet and broadband. And um, we like to think about it much like electricity. A hundred years ago, we had kerosene lanterns in so many houses and uh, electricity didn't happen overnight. So you got to run all the wires. And uh, 100 years later, here we are running wires, um, except for their fiber. And um, so at the curiosity brought the, um, 
brought us to the next step, which was I needed to pull together various people in our community. And whether it's from education or agriculture, workforce or um, um, workforce development, um, agriculture, telecommunications. And, and so we pulled these different verticals together and actually asked them, does reliable broadband, is that something that our community needs for the future of us? And despite everybody's background and difference of opinions, that was the one thing we could all agree on. So from there, I reached out to the only telecommunication provider that was eligible for this particular grant, and um, we went for it. It was um, probably, gosh, it took a full year before we heard back because, you know, they only announced one grant at a time for PR reasons, I think. And uh, so we ended up receiving a $12.1 million public and private um, investment, uh, helping to close our broadband gap which is now resulting in 256 miles of fiber actually going out into the community. So um, this is going to have a huge impact on us. And it's not just the 256 miles of fiber, but as that fiber is getting closer to other individuals, now once the grant's done, we can start tapping into that fiber to get to even further out to those individuals. So it's almost like a kind of a spider web. You know, you start in the middle and then you, you run a line and, and you're able to get that done with the initial grant and then you can run another line further out on that. So um, it's much like uh, electricity and um, we're, we're pretty excited to see what this impact is going to bring to the community. Hmm. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I should uh, explore that whole idea with you some more um, because I think there's, there's a real need for that in Australia. The um they did a government national broadband initiative about five years ago and there was it was like there were the naysayers who felt their own political and and um well basically the uh, the old traditional media um you can probably guess who that is it starts with f it ends with x and it's um got three letters the um they basically blocked the thing going ahead as as it was planned which was a proper fiber broadband system now we've got this cobbled together system which uh, works moderately well in the major cities um, is a disaster outside of the major cities and in the remote communities is just sort of just doesn't work um, so and then they've got um, all these various um hybrid things with wireless and so on but none of it is anywhere near state of the art and and also it cost it didn't cost millions of dollars it cost hundreds of billions of dollars um you know when they changed government and they stripped it back to the bare bones they said we're going to save save hundreds of million hundreds of billions of dollars on on this new system which they said was going to be better as well so now we have a a system that's worse than the originally proposed one, which was probably only state of the art ten years ago, and um, it's it, well, it um, blew over the original budget for the more expensive version. It blew over that by several hundred billion dollars. So it's just so much money; it's overwhelming. Yeah, you can see why people are, are you know resistant to change. It's just overwhelming, mm. and then when you start talking about the money and the impact and and the people, and and it's just like, oh my God, where do we start? Well, we start getting out of bed, <laughs> one foot in front of the other. But it's it's just so easy to just say, oh, not today. I got too many other things I got to do. Hmm. Yeah, love it. 
Okay, now um, you you do a, a three week boot camp um, and and an online course associated with that. What what does that entail? Because there's lots of things in there that I was really fascinated by. Thank you. Yeah, so it is a B two B, which is business to business um, development course, and I've figured out that you know after doing this for twenty years, it feels like breathing. You know, you just know what you need to do, and then it dawned on me not everybody has read all the same books and has been through all those painful customer um, experiences where you just learn certain things that books can't teach you. And so out of that, I actually created a course and I thought, well, this will just kind of be a crash course of, of all my mistakes and, and things that I've learned. And I decided to break it down into three sections. The first section is all about um, um, clarifying your message and being able to connect with people, make it easy for them to communicate with you. The second section within that is all about building influence, and it's a lot about what we talked about, it, focusing on the skeptics and uh, creating a follow-up process that, you know, you're going to do what you say you're going to do, but, you know, be able to drive that influence within an organization. And then the third section is, um, especially today, I've invested a lot of time in learning more about LinkedIn and how to maximize that without spending, you know, the rest of your life on LinkedIn, but still be able to communicate with others in a proactive way, in a helpful way, in a lead with value way. So the uh, the third section is all about how to leverage LinkedIn and how you can use that to actually control your own network in a proactive way. And um, I have found that it's been especially helpful during the COVID. And, um, you know, it's allowed me to reach across the world, literally, and start meeting new people that I would not have been able to do otherwise. And uh, there's a lot of good talent out there. And uh, again, don't take it personally if people don't connect on the first time. There could be other stuff going on in their lives. Um, but just, you know, just continue to reach out, be proactive, stay positive, And you might be amazed what opportunities lay in front of you just off of using LinkedIn. So that course is um, is, is all packaged up. And um, it's actually a, a boot camp that can be purchased at any point. It's got all my references and everything in the back. So if you're a detailed person, you can dig deep or um, if you want to just hit the, the high levels and, and get the takeaways and the small steps that you can execute, those are um, within the uh, workbook pages of the work. Mm. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And and it's pretty clear. I'll, I'll come back to some of those points in a moment. But you said something at the beginning. I thought that was fascinating. And that's um, it feels like breathing. Uh, mm. I think I often... It often takes me, like customers or people I meet, have to ask me three or four times about something that I then realize that, hey, this comes naturally to me, but other people actually don't know how to do it. And I sometimes I think, oh, this is so easy. I, you know, doing a video to explain it, or or producing a a, a webinar, or or maybe even a course, um, breaking this down into steps seems so trivial to me, and yet. Um, it's very much that that phenomenon, isn't it? That it's like breathing to me, but somebody else is actually suffocating because I don't know how to breathe. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, and what you're really good at, I'm probably not very good at. And what I'm good at, I mean, somebody else may not be good at it. So, mm. you know, we really just need to focus in on the strengths that we all bring to the table and realize that we're not here to, meant to do everything all the time. And, uh, and, and focus in on what comes natural and, and, and let that be and help other people. And if you can make a little bit of money while you're breathing pretty easily and outsource the other stuff that you're like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. 
um, you know, it kind of makes life a little bit easier to get through. Hmm. So how do we how do we kind of recognize those things that um, we take for granted because it's like breathing? How do we recognize those that we can actually help other people by teaching them how to do it? Yeah, so I think one thing to do is, is definitely go back and reflect and look at your calendar even. Um, if you live by your calendar like I do, you have your appointments throughout the day. And uh, and just kind of do a color code, red, yellow, green. And uh, just remember, was that conversation easy or was it challenging or was it kind of indifferent? And look for the greens that pop up on your calendar. And so maybe you had three appointments that were green for the month of March. You're like, man, that was just easy and it breezed through. And then um, take a look at that and, and just kind of dig into it and say, why was it easy? Was it the people that I was talking with? Was it the particular topic? Was it the time of the day? What was it that made it just easy and fun? And um, that's one kind of introspective way to be able to find out maybe what some strengths are. A uh, Another book that, since we've been talking about books, that, that I love is called Strength Finder. And um, it's just a great way to reinforce what your skills are and, and be able to see how you can apply them. And personally, I love to be able to give strength finders to high school graduates and college graduates. And um, I know when I got out of school and you're just kind of overwhelmed and you're not sure what you want to do, but it, it builds you up and it may even help you answer some of those interview questions. You know, what are your what are you good at? And um, you can say, hey, I read a book. It was called Strength Finders, and it says that I'm good at delegating and, and organizing and, and carrying through tasks. So, I mean, it, it could even help you get through on, a, on an interview question. But um, that's a really easy read. Um, if you look at your calendar and you don't see any themes, then I definitely say check out Strength Finders as, a, as another one to find your strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, it is a really good book. And um, I revisited it recently, and I found that there were some um, some styles that I had forgotten about because obviously they're not my style. So I didn't pay much attention to them. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, I look at it, and, and some of them I'm like, oh well, that's obvious, and then some I thought, oh, I never really thought about that. But then when you when you really pause and kind of reflect and read a little bit more, you're like, well, I guess I could see how that could be that could be a strength. So yeah, mm. it's fun. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, and I was having a conversation with one of my clients um, a couple of weeks back, and it, it goes back to um, my hobby, one of my hobbies, which is photography. And I've, I've got a new scanner here, and I've got thousands of slides um, going back to my childhood, um, probably tens of thousands, actually. And I thought, I'm going to scan these slides in. Now, it comes back to what we were talking about before that I looked at that. I started scanning some slides at random and I thought, oh, God, this is going to take me. This is, I probably never will finish this in my lifetime. There's so many slides there. So I thought, well, how, how can I tackle this that makes a lot more sense? So I broke it down into, okay, I'm going to build some themes. So what, what kind of themes can I have? So it might be themes of, of travel um, travel and then i'll break down the travel into some more so travel to country travel to a city um, travel to um, or some event so events might be another theme and then break down individual events and then i'll find all those slides that match that theme and then scan them in and so i was describing this to my client and and she said oh there's a process you ought to write that up that's a training program there 
people that do that. And I thought, well, I'd never even considered that. This was just, um, I was overwhelmed. So I thought, well, how can I break this activity down? Because I really wanted, wanted to do this and I get a lot of enjoyment out of um, scanning those slides and then, you know, enhancing the digital images and then displaying those digital images. But it's, it's, it's one of those things where oh, I've never even considered that was something that might be valuable to others. Yeah, your um, photography is amazing. I saw it on your webpage, and it's yeah. um, it's it's unbelievable. So if nobody's checked it out and they're listening to this podcast, I would recommend checking it out. So it's amazing, and um, I was also going to make another book recommendation. We're on a roll today, but um, the there's a, a book out that's been written by Jeannie Sullivan. It just came out, and it is actually the book I think to have if you're going to create a course. And if, if all you know is you want to create a course course um, for organizing photography, she breaks it down and you can actually build your course out in 28 days and it's outlined chapter by chapter. And just like your organization that you've had um, with the picture, she breaks out how to create a, a profitable course within a very short, realistic time frame. And um, I used it for my course, and it, it proved to be successful. And sounds like you already have the process. And um, she breaks down how adult learning is and the questions. And at the end of it, you've got your entire deck and communication and, and course built out. And it kind of kind of feels good that you got something done over the course of just 28 days. Mm, okay. Well, what's that book called? It is... It's by Jeannie Sullivan, and I want to say Course Creation in 28 Days. Okay, well, we'll look that one up because that's certainly something I I wasn't familiar with. Um, and we'll share it's such a great well. book. Yeah, mm. it's fun. And it's that easy read. I love a good easy read mm. um, that, you know, anybody can get through and feels like you've accomplished something if you um, just, you know, go through the chapter and answer the questions. Yeah, so create a course in 28 days. By Jeannie Sullivan. All right. Well, I'll find that one and um, also share it in the show notes. Great. Um, now, leveraging LinkedIn to help your network, you mentioned that as, as, as the third part of your mm -hmm. course. So tell us a little bit more. Give us some sort of high-level tips there in terms of LinkedIn because I know I'm, I'm doing a lot on LinkedIn these days and I, I'm finding, like you, it's quite amazing when you use it to meet people and to have sort of start a, start a meaningful conversation on there and then um, you know take that conversation elsewhere because things will will grow from there if you click with somebody yeah so uh, LinkedIn has over 600 million users across the world and I uh, can't think of a, a larger network to be able to join a professional network which is great um, so you can reach out that way and I, I had actually learned that about 1% of the folks are actually putting information out there. So only 1% of 600 million are actually putting content out there. So if you want to appear to be disruptive, um, consider posting and being able to share information on LinkedIn. There's only a few people that actually respond to posts. So less than 5% of those are even responding to posts and articles. And the rest of the folks that are on LinkedIn um, are are just kind of what they call lurkers. They're just kind of watching and, and seeing what you're doing and seeing if your brand is consistent. So, um, you know, if you want to make a, a big splash, it's it's not too hard. Just begin to uh, post some information on LinkedIn. But 
Um, I would also suggest leading with value and leading with, you know, the lessons that you learned over the past five days or um, how you were able to solve a customer problem and um, just be positive and, and help build up other people. I think influencing um, other folks that are on LinkedIn and joining in on conversations and um, just being uplifting and, and helpful is, is definitely going to take you a lot farther on, on LinkedIn. And um, I found it just to be a very helpful platform. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the numbers are quite amazing, aren't they? If you, you mm. think of 600 million, that, that's getting up to near 10% of the global population, which is astounding. And then only 1% of the users are posting, so there's a huge opportunity there. And then only 5% of that 1%, I guess, is what you're saying, are, are commenting. And I'm finding this. What, what are your thoughts? Because I see there's kind of a trend there of people tagging a whole lot of other people to try and elicit comments and and so that their their posts get in front of more onto more feeds basically the algorithm says if it's got a lot of comments or if it's got a lot of likes i guess the um it's displayed in more feeds so people get to see it more um yeah. and i'm i'm kind of wondering i wonder if they'll clamp down on on that practice or, or whether they'll figure out a way to distinguish the authentic comments so somebody actually leading with value in their comment in other words mm -hmm. if there's an article there saying um i was fascinated yeah i find your article fascinating and here's here's um something that i'd like to contribute to this con conversation rather than just saying somebody going in and saying great article right right yeah they um they actually have i believe they have an algorithm that's actually being run on it you need to use at least five words in your post so um great article won't work um mm. you can come up with five words you know like again, this was really a great topic and then if you do the at sign and, and incorporate your your um tag in there so then now you've got more than five words and you've put a link in there with a name that's going to definitely help you with algorithms. Um, but, you know, you I'm sure people have programs that can write all this stuff out and try to manipulate the system. But is that um, going to work for the long haul? And I hmm. don't think it will. But, I mean, you know, people make livings in all kinds of different ways. And maybe that will work for somebody else. It's, it's not really my cup of tea. But, um, yeah, I think... For me, just showing up authentically and, and being who I am and and trying to help other people along the way, just because, you know, so many of other people have helped me along the way. Um, I think that's just who people want to do business with at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, it comes back. I mean, I'm reminded of the early days of SEO. I mean, there's still people out there that do it this way that try to manipulate the search engines by you know targeting well understanding how their algorithm works and then trying trickery to um mm -hmm. dupe the algorithms if you like into ranking their their information higher and yet if you go back particularly google who who are pretty open about how how their search works if you go back and and really study that and understand it it's all about serving information that actually answers the the searcher's question so if you're answering the searcher's question if you're writing the article for the person searching for your ideal customer 
um, mm-hmm. then you're going to rank higher. You don't have to worry about uh, the algorithm. And I think um, people are starting to understand that in the in the SEO space now too, and and that the long term gains because all of the changes that Google did to cut down on on those um, tricks and and the you know the things that were really against the principles of the whole thing. Um, that there, there was outcry in the industry because it impacted on their rankings, and I never saw it change in any of my rankings, other than you know the organic changes that happen over time anyway. And I thought, well, really, if you do the right thing, it it's kind of just the results come back. And I think it's the same here on LinkedIn. And if you take the approach that um, put up a post that's valuable. Uh, if you read somebody else's post, treat it like a conversation. Like if you say something to me now and I will respond with hooking into that and I'll say, oh, I'm really curious and learning more about LinkedIn and tell me more about this aspect. So that's a conversation and you can do that on LinkedIn. And then, you know, because not only will, particularly if if it's my post and you're commenting on it and, and I comment back, and that results in a conversation there, then there's lots of uh, lots of comments then. Yeah, and it's, it's authentic, and, and that's what they want, and kind of makes our life easier that way, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Yes, that's right, because it comes back to what you were saying earlier. Um, basically, we're breathing then rather than trying to figure yeah. out uh, how, <laughs> how can we game this system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. Which is like uh, diving underwater at... Uh, 20 meters and holding your breath and trying yeah. to equalize the pressure. I can't do uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, enough of the metaphors. That's uh, This has been fabulous, uh, Catherine. I'm really enjoying this. I think it's a good time now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round designed to help our audience who are primarily leaders and innovators in their field with some tips from your experience. So I have five questions. Hopefully, You'll give it some inspiring answers that will lead to action on the part of our listener today. Sounds fun. Yeah. What's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Be curious. Hmm. I think you really need to sit down and, and ask questions and listen to what the answers are. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the five whys or not, hmm. but the, the five whys and the jobs to be done. When you research that information, you have so much innovation that's available to us. Um, if you have the time and the energy to sit down and, and ask, why are we doing something that way? And ask it five times, you know, they'll give you the answer because we've always done it that way. And then what's, well, why have we always done it that way? Well, it's because we've done X, Y, Z. And so when you ask that why question five times, you're going to get down to what that true reason is and you might be able to create a whole new innovative product or service at the end of that so being curious and asking why Mm. yeah i'm a big fan of the five whys process although recently i've i've started to modify it a little bit and use more how and what if um, Mm. because it's less intimidating Uh, sometimes you know you think of the I mean, the five whys comes back to, I think it was Toyota in, in mm-hmm. the 1960s that uh, was their um, quality control thing and they were finding problems. So they, in order to get to the root cause of the problems, they developed this five whys 
questioning technique, but if um, it, if you think of two and three year olds, they're, they're always, oh, why, why, why? And, and usually they get to the point where the parent or the adult will say, oh, I've had enough of this, leave me alone. You know, which I know, is, my brain hurts, I can't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is usually the start of where you turn them off being curious, and that's a bit unfortunate. <laughs> but as an adult, to ask why a lot, you probably run into that same response fairly quickly. And yet, if you turn it around and, and use what if, or how does that work, or you know, reframe the question a little bit, I've found that that actually leads more easily to conversations. Yes, I would agree. That sounds like a great, great spin to the five whys. Yeah. Okay, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Definitely go out and see the customer, be with the customer. Um, I was in a agriculture bank for a number of years, and if you want to see how they're using the products, go jump out into the field, into a truck, and see how they're using this stuff. And it is night and day compared to being in the in the tall building in the city and thinking that you're building something that they want. Um, when you go get in the pickup truck and go talk to the folks using it, the game changes. So mm. um, I would definitely say getting out of the building and going to sit with your customer. Mm. And and asking lots of questions then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Uh, most often since... Uh, I guess last couple of years I've been using virtual assistants and they have just really made my life easier, have allowed me to have space to be able to process information and, and reflect. And uh, that thinking time has been very helpful for me. So as far as improving my productivity, I think even if you are in a corporate environment, you could have a virtual assistant just to handle some of that day-to-day -day house stuff that you just dread doing. It might be worth you know, paying somebody a few dollars an hour just to go and and take some of that stuff off your plate. So you might be amazed what, what services are out there that people are willing to help with. Mm, yeah. And I I discovered the whole principle of virtual assistance um, very early on in my business. And, and because I'd been working, um, so I, I have remote virtual assistance, because I'd been working remotely in my corporate career for so long, I felt quite comfortable in this concept of remote work and so I started off with virtual assistance very early on and, and like you say it's um, really game-changing and I had the same thought as you I thought wow I, I could have used this in my corporate career I could have had a couple of these people and just paying them out of my salary and That's exactly and, what I thought I yeah. gladly have paid out of my salary to <laughs> exactly yeah and, and then um, and then people would think, how do you get all this stuff done? You know, this person is so productive. <laughs> I thought, and and I'd be doing all the stuff that that where I had the most value. Yes, mm. that's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's the best way to keep a a client or a project on track? I think creating accountability, and that accountability could just be when's the next meeting going to be? What are our takeaways? Um, but, but creating that accountability, and I'm about to start another project, um, just a 90-day project, but we need to stay on task, and so I've outlined. I mean, I didn't etch it in stone. It's just an outline of the next 90-day calendar, and um, this is what everybody's accountability is going to be, and um, that's just a starting point. And they may come back to me and say that we need to tweak a date here or there, but at least we all know on the front end that we're all going to be held accountable. Hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, I, li I like the idea of the 90-day calendar and um, another book. <laughs> the um, I'm actually reading rereading this. I read it quite a while ago, but I'm rereading it now and, and learning a lot more about it. Um, the uh, what is it? The three-month year or the um, oh yeah, twelve-week uh, the, the twelve-week. Yes. Yeah. It's excellent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which is basically the ninety-day calendar in in some form, right? Yeah, mm. and it, again, everything's just breaking it down into smaller steps, so makes yeah. it easier. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Follow up. So do what you say you're going to do, and just follow up. Hmm. It's a bit um, it's sad, really, if that that differentiates you, isn't it? I just don't see enough of it. Yeah. Do you see it? What I'm curious. No. You know, I, I just I don't agree, see yeah. enough follow up, and it mm. drives me crazy on this side. So I'm like, gosh, could it be that simple? I just need mm. to follow up with people and be proactive. Hmm. Yes, and and but again, it's it's probably one of those things that we overlook or take for granted, like breathing, and say, well, mm -hmm. you know, I do it. But maybe a focus on it, or or do it in a way that it actually stands out a little bit more, or or help other people to do it more easily. Mm Help -hmm. um, is is a contribution that we can make. Yeah, I did a, a follow up to a gentleman. I, I was looking. Well, I wanted to stay in touch with him because I wasn't sure if a job opening was going to happen or not. And my way of following up with him was to. Um, he had a, a situation where the water main broke, the city's water main broke in front of his building. So it flooded. And part of that was the building was shut down. So part of my follow-up to him, just touching base, was to send him a box of towels, sham wows that are super absorbent towels. Yeah, yeah. And um, sure enough, it was creative enough. And uh, it created a follow-up where, you know, it sat on his desk while he was working through that disaster. And um, sure enough, it led to a phone call that led to a job so um yeah just follow up and sometimes you, you do have to get a little bit of creative with it mm. yeah i love it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just thinking that could have backfired though it could have been you know you might have thought sometimes you, you gotta take a risk it in. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right um okay well thanks Catherine. this has been really fabulous now where can people find out more about you maybe reach out and say thanks for what you shared today and also uh, find out more about your workshop thank you um yes thank you for having me my website is katherinecanty.com and we also mentioned linkedin and you can find me on linkedin under the name Catherine canty and that'll take you back to my website as well excellent and we'll post those links in the show notes along with uh how many books? I think we've mentioned. Four I know now. we <laughs> we had quite a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fun. All right. Um, okay. And uh, now, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? Never stop learning. Keep mm. reading books. Keep Love watching yeah. and listening to podcasts. There's mm. just so many answers that are out there in these books for us. So just never stop learning. Yeah, I love it, and that's certainly one of my principles. And I, I always. Um, even little things sometimes I celebrate and think, oh, I learned, I didn't know that, I learned that. So it's kind of like a really 
it gives me a buzz and then to be able to share it with others as well so that that's why i love doing this podcast as well or one of the reasons i love doing it is that i learn from each and every one of my guests and and then i get to share it with other people who hopefully learn something and maybe even learn something different because i'm breathing and they're learning to breathe (laughs) it's been fun thank you all right now finally who else should i get on this show and why who else should you get on this show um Jeannie Sullivan, the lady that wrote the um yep. the twenty eight book, the course in twenty eight days. Um she's pretty much changed my life um with that course and helped me transition from corporate into solopreneurism and um broke that down into simple steps and I took the leap and did it. And um gosh, Wade Galt, he's another great one. He has the four day work week podcast. And I love his work. He he has embraced a four-day work week and teaches other people how to do it. So those are the top two that, that come to mind right now. Great. Well, do you know Jenny and Wade? I do. Okay. Well, great. Well, we'll get an introduction from you to both of them and, and um, bring them on. So certainly, I mean, I'd, I'm certainly going to get a hold of Jenny's book and, and read that because that's very much something I need to focus some more on. And uh, so having a conversation with her to follow up on that would be great. And also the four-day work week we had, um, Andrew Barnes, who wrote the four-day work week book for the corporates. We had him on a little while ago. So it would be great to follow up that conversation with Wade. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Both of them are just easy, great people to talk with. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Catherine. I've really enjoyed this. It's been fun. We've been talking lots of metaphors as well as um, specific recommendations and quite a few book recommendations too. So thanks a lot. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jurgen. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Catherine and took something away from her episode. I love Catherine's approach to reflection, looking through your calendar and interactions with others and the light system to help identify strengths and where you add most value. And of course, I love the knowing how to breathe metaphor. I'm curious to know what you took away from Catherine's episode. Do leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Catherine Canty. That is C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-C-A-N-T-E-Y, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Catherine Canty. Now you'll find information there for getting in touch with Catherine, as well as links to her website her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in the conversation. And you'll also find a little comment box there where you can tell me what you took away from today's episode. Now, if you like this episode, I do encourage you to share it with at least two other people. Don't keep it for yourself. Don't be selfish. Because if there's other people in this world that this episode might help, it's your duty to tell them about it. And tag me in on that share because I will thank you personally with a special little surprise. Catherine suggested that we have a conversation with Jeannie Sullivan, author of Create a Course in 28 Days 
and with Wade Galt of the Three Day Weekend Club on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So Jenny and Wade, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Catherine Canty. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including doctor-turned-marketer Johnson Emmanuel and leading authority on buying, selling, fixing and growing businesses, Michelle Seiler-Tucker. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.